Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorization number TP slash 01005. Sports Day for Kia, the Kia Sportage, Drive Car of the Year. Welcome to Sports Day. Great to have your company. One double three eight eighty two is our number. A lot of sport going on. Sports update thanks to KO. Watch the T20 Cricket World Cup on KO Sports. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm watching it right now, to be honest, and Zimbabwe just lost their first wicket. They're one for 29. Uh, they are up against the West Indies, who have uh, done a pretty go- good job composting a competitive score of 153. So that uh, is the equation for Zimbabwe, 154 to win. Earlier tonight, Ireland, after being in early trouble at 4 for 61, ended up at 4 for 180 to beat Scotland, who posted 5 for 176 off their 20 overs. And Curtis Camphor was the man that starred, 72 off 32. Of course, uh, he starred in the past. Uh, He is one of the only players to take a hat-trick when it comes to the T20 World Cup. And Heater, as Paul Heath joins me on the program tonight, in the absence of Will Schofield, and, of course, uh, Mark Reddings, who's away on holidays. Uh, he got it done with the bat this time. Good evening, mate. He is an impressive unit. Good evening, Carl. And uh, he does his best work at the World Cup as well. I've seen tweets galore saying, Ireland are out of this World Cup because of the trouble that they are in against Scotland. And then Curtis Camper comes to the wicket and just blasts them all around the, pl- all around the place in Geelong. We've heard how tough that pitch is to play on. He didn't. He, he looked like he was playing on his own one. How about last night? Uh, of course, um, we had the situation where Janaid Sadiq he smacked one out <laughs> of Cardinia Park. Not only into the into the into the stratosphere. There was one tweet that I laughed at. Janaid just sent the ball to Perth because <laughs> it went sailing out of the stadium. Uh, he flexed his biceps as well. And there's a, a there's one of the um, one of the Sri Lankan players is actually there and he's having a bit of a chuckle uh, <laughs> at the expense of his teammate who's just been tonked, but that's gone 109 metres. You ever hit one that far, you reckon? No. No? No. I was always looking for the short boundary <laughs> as well. Even 60 would, uh, would test me, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a beautiful shot, and of course we had uh, the, the hat-trick last night as well with uh, Kartik Mayappan, so all the highlights came out of the UAE, but uh, sadly they went down. Ryan Campbell's going to join us tonight because they, even though they've won both their matches, are still a real risk. If they lose to Sri Lanka tomorrow night, real chance of not advancing in this World Cup. Uh, Simon Hill is going to join us a little bit later on in this hour, have a chat about the A-League, the glory, Sam Kerr, and all of the other things that are bubbling around when it comes to the World Game. But one double three eight eighty two Wednesday Wine Night. Imagine the best DM Breaker distributors of the world's best rock breakers, dmbreaker.com.au. Constellation Cup action. Did the Aussies in the end get it done? They bounced back very nicely with a 15-goal win over the Silver Ferns, 62 to 47, so that series is still well and truly alive, Carl. Yeah, 2-1, that makes it, uh, and the girls have been gagged when it comes to talking about uh, sponsorships and things of that nature. Uh, now, the freak injury, the oh. freak injury to Josh Inglis, can you just explain to our audience that may not have heard what has happened today? So... 
they're out playing a bit of golf, the yeah. Australian cricket team, getting, you know, just relaxed, ready for their first game, three days away they are. So they're playing at uh, Botany Bay's Northern Headland near Sydney Airport, the New South Wales Golf Club. And as he's uh, gone through with the golf club, it's broken. The handle has snapped and come back and stabbed him in the palm of his hand, and there has been a lot of blood, apparently. So he didn't have a chance to finish the game, fair enough, but he, I would say he's out of hospital now, probably with a stitch or two, I'd say. That's how bad the gas was. All right. Well, I want to hear about uh, freakish injuries, uh, those that uh, you have maybe endured in your sport. It doesn't matter what your level. doesn't have to be uh, at the top level. Just uh, in your own lifetime, have you got... A freak injury that you can tell us about on one double three eight eighty two here on the program. We would love to hear from you. Uh, the other big news that is coming out of Victoria tonight is that Ross Lyon has gone for a third meeting. So he goes <laughs> in for a chat on Monday and then has another chat on Tuesday and then he goes before the board today and he's had a two-hour meeting in front of the board and the executive at Moorabbin at the headquarters. Um, it appears that he right now is the only person that has gone through any process whatsoever. So surely he is their target. I don't know what they've put him through, but uh, in the end, it seems there are still a couple of hurdles. That's what's being reported. Uh, we did try to get a couple of those journos who are there for the doorstop after the meeting's uh, finished tonight, but it sounds like there's just a little bit of uh, probably a negotiation to take place on terms to get this job done, and we'd expect an announcement maybe tomorrow or Friday. He looks like the cat that got the cream uh, in a couple of those doorstops, doesn't he? He looks very pleased with himself, and I'm just scratching my head, Carl. Is it, are we that bereft of options around the place that Ross Lyon is the... The correct solution back to St Kilda. Well, look, I, I don't, I don't have any issue with Ross going back there. I mean, let's face it, mate. The bounce of the ball it could be very different. Yeah. He he might well be a Premiership player. Uh, the only thing that I will point out is that. If you have a look at the track record of recycled coaches in more recent times, it's not very impressive. I was talking to Gareth on breakfast early this morning uh, because I was uh, filling in for Mark Reddings while he's over there in Bali having a little bit of fun in the sun. So I now know what it's like to start at 5am and still be going until 8 o'clock tonight. But that's okay. I'm not complaining. But Brett Ratton... He has been given the marching orders, right? His record, 2019 to 2022, 134 of 68 matches, 50%, right? No flag. Rodney Ede, the previous recycled coach who went to the Gold Coast, 2015 to 17, he won 16 of 63 games at 25%. Ouch. Ross Lyon, when he was at Frio... 2019 to 2000, sorry, 2012 to 2019, after leaving St Kilda, mm. he won 96 of 184. That's 52%. Yep. Now, this is better than all of the others prior to him. John Warsold, Essendon, after coaching at West Coast, winning a premiership, 2016 to 2020, 41%. Mick Malthouse, three flags, two at West Coast, one at Collingwood, goes to Carlton, 2013 to 2015, won 20 of 54 games at 37%. Paul Roos, another premiership coach, a flag with Sydney in 2005, went to Melbourne 2014 to 2016 before he transitioned into Simon Goodwin. He won 21 games of 66 at 32%. And worse than all of those, do you think there's one worse? There is. Oh, okay. It goes to Kevin Sheedy, oh. four-time premiership coach of the Bombers, <laughs> 
He goes to GWS for a couple of seasons. He won three of 44. Three games of 44 in the 2012-13 season at 7%. Ouch. Now, that's the historical record. Now, we've now got Michael Voss who's back in the fray, but this season we've got more recycled coaches than what we've had for a long time. We've got Brad Scott, we've got Alistair Clarkson, and now we've got potentially Ross Lyon to be confirmed in the next couple of days to see whether that they can maybe turn that trend around. But uh, it's pretty abysmal, really. What's the thinking behind it then, Carl? Is it just a safe pair of hands, perceivably, that it is, you know, an experienced coach? Or is it too much of a hot seat to put in someone new? Well, look, I don't know why you wouldn't put in someone new, because... What the history tells us is that someone new has an impact immediately. Chris Scott in his first year won a flag. Mm. It's taken him 11 years to get his second one. He won one in 2011. It's 2022, and he's just won his second premiership. The bloke who he coached against on grand final day, John Longmire, right, his first coaching job as the senior coach at Sydney was in 2011. Guess when he won his first flag? 2012, right? Yep. Now, Luke Beveridge, mm. he started 2015 at the Western Bulldogs. Guess when he won his flag? Next year. 2016. Yep. Adam Simpson started at West Coast in 2014, made a grand final in 15, mm-hmm. didn't win it. But Three years later, four flag. years. Yep. What it's telling me is, and even if you go right back to Alistair Clarkson, he started his coaching career at Hawthorne in 2005. Guess when he won his first flag? couple of years later. 2008. There you go. So what it's telling me is coaches, new coaches, young coaches, inexperienced coaches are coming into the game, having impact in their first five years. One double three eight eighty two. So whether they're new or old, I think if you don't get it done in the first five years, basically, you should be looking for a new job. Although we did have uh, Damien Hardwick buck that trend in mm. more recent time at the Tigers where they backed him in. Uh, Daryl and Armadale. G'day, Daryl. How are you? Not too bad, boys. I just want to have a whine about um, this Woodside issue, the Olympic gas one, the one with um, Hancock prospecting. What's the difference between this and taxes? If we banned everybody who did something we thought was wrong, courses wouldn't fly teams anywhere. You'd have no sponsorship in any sport. I guarantee Toyota makes cars that emit, you know, like pollution. Nothing would ever happen in any sport. They wouldn't even exist because there'd be no sponsorship with this argument. So what's the difference between a handout from the government from Woodside's taxes and Woodside sponsoring Fremantle? Nothing different. Well, I I think we're looking at a bunch of athletes that are dealing with their own consciences at the moment because of what we're seeing happening weather-wise around the world and also the impact that they're having. So I, I don't know if we can sort of unawaken them and their thoughts that they're having towards their future you know, endeavors. The, the, the problem, the problem is, is that everyone wants to do the right thing. Mm. The, the reality is, is that right now, you can't. <laughs> so we can, we can make small steps mm. towards making an individual effort and to have your voice heard. And look, it's, it's something that we're all going to attempt to transition into. Um, but essentially, if you, if you're realistic about it, then don't use a mobile phone. Don't drive a car. Don't live in a house because all of those uh, components that go into making each and every one of those things take 
exactly what they're campaigning for. Mm. I think the hard part is, Carl, where is the conversation about these matters if they're not at this point where they are making statements, there are, you know, sort of things that they have already decided in their mind because if they wanted to have a conversation, they being the athletes about <laughs> a bit of a uh, bug issue at the moment, uh, if they were having uh, conversations about how they're feeling, about things, I don't think they would have got the same not that they're looking for attention, but they wouldn't have got the same sort of cut through that they have had with what they've been trying to say and what they've been trying to do. One double three eight eighty two. Well, there's no doubt that uh, sporting fields have become political platforms, uh, whether that's on or off the field. Zimbabwe have just lost their second wicket. Two for forty seven. More of your calls. Have a Wednesday wine. Join in after this. One double three eight eighty two. We'll continue to update sport, but it's Wednesday wine night. And imagine the best uh, DM breaker, the world's best rock breakers, and a injury, a freak injury. How did you get? Get yours. One double three eight eighty two. Love to hear from you. Sports day for Kia, the Kia Sportage Drive Car of the Year. Already 22 minutes past six. One double three eight eighty two is our number. Sports update proudly brought to you by New Seed. So in the Constellation Cup tonight, Australia 62-47 winners over New Zealand. Game three. So that series now sees New Zealand lead two games to one. Uh, it was Ireland who beat Scotland in the Group B clash earlier today, and currently it is Zimbabwe. I've just lost their third wicket uh, and an inside edge down to the boundary for four. So three four. 52 and they are chasing 154 to uh, take the chocolates against the West Indies who were beaten in their first game. Norm's in Subiaco and joins us. Welcome, Norm. G'day, Carl. Uh, hi, how are you, Heath? Heath, uh, when you said, I know you're speaking for yourself, maybe you said these athletes are only exercising their consciences. Um, if uh, the Fremantle players haven't made any decision like this, although some are part of, an, of a climate group, what is this little group at Fremantle, which is a tiny minority of the membership, 56,000, is it, members? Uh, how do they suggest that the players fly to games in Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, Adelaide with a clear conscience? They, the players in their travel, like David Mundy must have thrown, what, 750,000 kilometres? Yeah. These players alone are polluting the atmosphere more than any of your listeners could do in their lifetime. So how, how do you... Isn't there going to be an element of hypocrisy in this? And that applies to uh, test cricketers flying over the world and then complaining about fossil fuels. The same with the diamonds. And just one other thing, in a sporting club, I would suggest that it's very hard when you only need two activists to go around, strong personalities pressuring people, and you've got young people or people who don't argue, they'll sign up to anything just to have peace and quiet. I'm not convinced that everyone who signs on to these things really wants to. That's, That's a good point. Good point, Norm. I appreciate the uh, call as well, mate. But, uh, yeah, it, it's one of those things that they're sort of putting it back on the uh, the uh, the competitions they play for or the uh, the um, companies that they do um, work for. You know, so Pat Cummins looking at Cricket Australia within their partnership with Alinta. So the, the Dockers players haven't been involved in this yet. You're right. It is only a, a, a supporters group that is uh, getting involved with some uh, bigger names around the place. And uh, Dale Alcock speaking today on acknowledgement of uh, their letter to the club. But... I mean, what happens next? I mean, they have to, you know, the competition is going to keep on rolling, isn't it, Carl? So they're going to have to keep travelling to play. Yeah, they are. And and though I, I think that what Norm ha- has raised here is uh, the the reality of the scenario, but there's no way that anybody right now is going to stop what they're doing. I mean, for, for people that need to travel to go to work, uh, for example, 
let's use all of those individuals that work at mine sites. Mm. Mate, I've been up there to Roy Hill, as you know, <laughs> recently, up there in Port Hedland, mm. and to get there is a real challenge. First of all, going through that process that you've got to go through at the airport to get there, but then the same sorts of scenarios apply. So whilst they want to get back to um, this clean energy for us all to go to solar, which is what they're encouraging people to do, they're a long, long way from actually uh, doing it as individuals because, quite frankly, you just can't. You can't do it. That's right. And I think that's sort of the areas that maybe Pat and that are trying to get into is the offsets, which you can do with your you know, flight tickets and that sort of thing, which is going to be the way forward until we can find some source of change. The, the only way we could do it, and, you know, I've I've thought about this for a long time, is to go back to the days of where we just live off the land. Okay, I thought you were going to say rail. <laughs> no, 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 just live off the land. Yep. Uh, if you if you want to go anywhere, well, it's in, it's in a, a rickety boat. Yep. Right, with sails. Okay. Because that's how they used to do it, right? There was no engine. Three Nothing trip. was motorised. Yep. You use horses and, and camels and donkeys and things like that. Let's face it, that's what's still happening in certain parts of the world. Uh, and you eat off the land, you travel the seasons, so you go to various parts where, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's what the, the Aboriginal people had done a long, long time mm. before, uh, people even came to this country, which is something that, uh, we, we often hear about. It'd be nice to hear more about our history, to be perfectly honest, but, uh, that's the only way we're going to get around it. No clothes, you know, you just wear <laughs> banana leaves. Uh, no. Mark, g'day, <laughs> how are you, buddy? Good, good. I haven't got any banana leaves, so sorry about that. <laughs> um, but I, my, one of my real big concerns is how this is going to impact kids. First of all, I'm a bit concerned that parents are affecting the mental health of their children by talking about that sort of stuff. The name Woodside on a shirt won't influence anything any fan buys, but it will influence the outcome of the kids who are outside playing a sport, involved in healthy activity, being sponsored. It's great for all the superstars to talk about their consciences now. Now they've got their skills, they've had their coaching, they've had all their opportunities, which came through those sorts of sponsorships. So it's a little bit hypocritical to be crying about it after you're flying first class and you've got your big SUV driving around in it, and now all of a sudden you're worried about the environment? I don't think so. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really concerned about children's health, mental health, their physical health, and Woodside for the Surf Lifesaving Nippers, that has to be one of the best initiatives for kids in Australia. Outside, life skills, first aid, resuscitation, learning how to handle yourself in the water. How many kids have we heard over the years who have been dragged out of a pool by a Surf Lifesaving Nipper and some child's life has been saved because they've been given life skills? Want to cancel all that for an agenda that won't actually achieve anything, sounds pretty stupid to me. Good on you. Thanks for your call, Mark. And look, just following on from, the, say, the West Coast uh, Fevers partnership with Roy Hill, which I spoke about, and mm -hmm. because I've been there recently and seen uh, the facility there, I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, but what they do off the court, the foundations, the partnerships, um, the, the shared values around family, women in leadership, and creating positive, inclusive, and diverse environments uh, which deliver success, that is what Gina Ryan had. And she, I reckon, would be at pains to not be coming out publicly, I think, behind the 
the scenes. This mm. be really hurting her because she's a fairly private lady. She's not one that actually seeks the limelight, uh, uh, unlike a few other uh, philanthropists that are out there that are really on the front foot and be seen to be doing the right thing, but uh, not necessarily in the same sort of a way. But history is history, isn't it, Carl? It's hard to forget as well, and we know where the uh, Hancock uh, comments are coming from uh, it, with re- reference to Netball Australia, but I just don't know if it's quite a cancellation of these partnerships that they're looking for. They're looking for ways forward and change with these big companies of, you know, with the Reinhardt money that comes into it. I was reading a story today about when they were involved with Swimming Australia, James Magnuson getting ready to swim for gold. I said, oh, you got to head up and meet up with uh, Gina and one of her daughters. So he's preparing to swim a race, but because of the money that they had in Swimming Australia, he's walked up the stands past fans that are just wondering what he's doing up there, sat down, had some face time with, uh, you know, the injector of money, and then had to go back to apply to his sport. So I don't think the money necessarily buys you the control, which that we're seeing a little bit here, but I think they're just trying to find a bit of a way to have the relationship a little different, not just completely cancelled as we have seen so far. Join in, two Sports Update proudly brought to you by New Seed, delivering top-performing canola genetics and superior customer service. It is Zimbabwe 4 for 58, chasing a target of 154 set by the West Indies in the Cricket World Cup. More of your calls after this. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage. Drive car of the year. And a wicket of the cricket, and the West Indies have got another one, so five for 64. Uh, thanks to KO, don't uh, miss your team's matches for the T20 World Cup on KO Sports. As we head to the phones, Richard in Churchlands, g'day. Yeah, g'day, mate. How are you going? Look, a quick thing on Gina Reinhardt. I've um, got nothing against her, and I think she's a very useful philanthropist. She's doing great things. But if you go back, and I I, I hadn't heard the tape of um, Lang Hancock, but I advise everyone, I'm surprised it's not on the news, we're talking mm. eugenics, um, what he was talking about in his uh, video, and it's 84. That's, mm. not, that's not a million years ago, mate. That's 84. So I can understand everyone or anyone having a problem with that. It's craziness. But... Um, when you get to Pat Cummings, you go, oh, I don't want a linter, you know, with the hypocrisy of what he drives around and those sort of things. I say, good. Oh, Pat Cummings, you're a great bowler. You're a pretty good skipper. But no, drop his contract out. It's just, it's, it's, it's crazy where you get to pick and choose. But, um, certainly on the, um, the Lane Hancock, I know, the sins of the father shouldn't be visited on the children. Um, I 100% agree with that, but yeah, I I can't uh, disagree with what's the stance that's been taken with Netball Australia. Good on you, Richard. Thank you for your thoughts. Uh, to David in Mardella. G'day, Dave. You there, fellas? Yeah, we've got you, mate. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, listen, just a couple of points. First and foremost, my comments now are going to represent, I think, just about every president and vice president and fundraising committee of all of the sporting clubs around this country in saying that if the large clubs do not want to be associated with these big sponsors, then please pass them my number and I'll talk to Woodside and Alinta Gas about securing some sponsorship of grassroots where we fight and struggle and scrap for every dollar, mm. particularly the minority sports. 
So there's that one. Happy to pass on my number, Carl, to these people, and I'll, I'll happily take some money from them for our clubs. Here. Um, and the second thing is I've been involved in the energy industry for a, well, close on 35 to 40 years now, particularly a plant that burns fossil fuels to generate steam. Seems used just about everywhere in today's life. You may not know it, but it is. Now, the, the fact is, Carl, you were correct when you said that we just simply cannot convert over to, you know, green. And that is a reality. So you've got Western Australia uh, winding back its timber. Uh, so the, the likes of uh, biomass fuel in Western Australia is going to be limited. You have hydrogen being spoken about um, at various levels now and producing that. But in reality, it's my opinion that that's probably 10 years away before hydrogen becomes uh, universally commercially available and secondly it'll only be green if it's produced from electricity that's provided by green sources so people just need to get off their high horses a little bit and accept these people's money for the betterment of the sport yeah, I was looking at a few of those things that create wind energy uh, the other day, and they were catching fire over in the United <laughs> States. So uh, I don't know exactly what uh, powers them, Dave. But anyway, uh, yeah, I, I agree. We're we're a long way off. Uh, let's, uh, I think, work together to take steps in the right direction. I think there's no doubt about that. But uh, we are miles away. To Ross in Wanneroo. G'day, Ross. How you going, bud? Yeah, not bad. What's going on? Yeah, yeah oh, I'm just... um. I read something in the paper about, mm. like, they had a um, a thing about the World Series cricket. And mm. Australia is in Group 1, and then there's Group 2, 3, 4, four and there yep. was Australia, England, and New Zealand in that group. And I thought, God, that's a bloody strong group. Um, is that fact or not? In this T20? Or going back? Yes. In this no, one? No, 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 just... Recently, well, but I can't. Uh, yeah, no. Well, uh, in Group One at the moment, we've got Afghanistan, Australia, England, and New Zealand, and in Group Two, Bangladesh, yeah. India, Pakistan, and South Africa. So, hundred percent. Yeah, it's not a big thing, but I just you just won me a point. Yeah. <laughs> Good Beautiful. stuff. Well, Enjoy at the end it, of the day, you'll yeah. be enjoying that uh, little quote on Roscoe. Uh, you beat your mate, uh, and look, Australia is the sixth seed. Mm. So, and and going into this tournament, uh, they are by far and away the favourites and uh, with the lead-up tournaments, they've not been great. In fact, like we've had, um, and just looking back at today, well, the warm-up matches that a couple of uh, the teams were hoping to get through today, Afghanistan made 6 for 154, Pakistan none for 19 raid out, and the New Zealand and India match was abandoned without a ball being bowled. Yeah, so they're a bit short on uh, a little bit of uh, form, as are the Australians at the moment, but they have been experimenting, and I'm hoping that's the one thing that they're going to lock down they're 11 when they get into their first game coming up this weekend. And from there, they'll just sweep the tournament. Simon Hill's going to join us after the break. Thanks to barbecues galore. Uh, go to iCanWin.com.au to win a Ziggy by Ziggler and Brown barbecue for the summer. That's iCanWin.com.au to win yourself that barbecue. WA Day 3 at Stumps. Uh, 466, they made the Vicks of 4 for 446. Trial by 26 wickets in hand. That's going to peter out to a draw. Tassie got it done over South Australia by 7 wickets today. And Day 2, New South Wales 246, Queensland and in reply, a four for 219. So that game is certainly firmly in the balance. But uh, the road that uh, the Victorians and the WA boys are playing on, oh, pity the poor bowlers in that one, yeah. Peter. Uh, we're going to get to the break, and we'll be back soon. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage Drive Car of the Year. 
Welcome back to Sports Day. Fantastic to have this man on the radio. Thanks to Repco Authorised Service. For expert car service, book into your local Repco Authorised Service Centre. The voice of Australian football, Ten and Paramount, and, of course, the host of the global game on SEN. Simon Hill is the man I'm talking about, and he joins us. Welcome, Simon. How are you, mate? Well, apart from a bit of a cold, I'm okay. How are you, boys? Yeah, we're going really well. Now, look, I was asked the question early this morning when I was doing a little sports siggy here on 6PR in uh, in breakfast uh, about the Community Shield and whether after the 100th anniversary that that should be something that we have a crack at at bringing it down under. What do you reckon? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, look, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? So I was actually at the Community Shield. I, I presume we're talking about the British version of Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I was at that version of, uh, of that particular trophy in August, uh, Liverpool against Man City. Uh, look, I'm not a fan of bringing Premier League games to different countries. I think that should be sacrosanct. I think they should stay in their own countries uh, because that has the potential to, you know, to hurt the, the local domestic competition. But, you know, as a one-off, the, the Community Shield, it's uh, all right. It's, it's a competitive game, theoretically, but it's a pre-season game. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that, and I'm sure it would sell the joints out whichever city it came to in Australia. Are we bidding? Do you know? That's the first I've well, heard about. Well, that, that's the thing. I mean, but at the end of the day, you know, we're talking about uh, a match that's played between the champions of the pre- previous Premier League season, the holders of the FA Cup, right? So we're talking about two very yeah. well-credentialed teams. I think that part. But uh, no, I would just ask the question. I think it was uh, it was brought up by a bloke by the name of Ender Brady. He does a little bit of work uh, out of that side of the world who actually brought it into the discussion in the first place, and I just thought, oh, I'll just throw it at you and see what you thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's an interesting one, that's for sure. Um, and I'm sure, given that the Premier League uh, loves a bit of cash, uh, they would be <laughs> open to that discussion. They seem to be open to anything else. It's open for business. <laughs> Back on the home shores, Simon, the A-League is underway, about to get into a match day three. How have you uh, felt the start of the season has uh, rolled out so far? Yeah, look, it's been pretty good. We've had um, you know some good games, particularly the, the higher-profile ones. I thought week one, Sydney FC and their return to Allianz Stadium against Melbourne Victory for the Big Blue was absolutely terrific. Uh, 21,500 people there. If the weather had uh, been a bit nicer, it was absolutely bucketing down in Sydney that day. <laughs> Money has been for most of the last six months. Uh, then I think we would have got closer to 30. Uh, and I was at Amy Park on Saturday for the victory against Wanderers game. Uh, nearly 20,000 there again. We've got a derby coming up this weekend, victory in City. I'm told that, that it's going to be well over 25,000, which, look, it's great, you know, because we had a very COVID-affected year last year where the crowds... I think lost, understandably, a bit of the narrative of the league. Um, but it seems as though at least, <clears throat> excuse me, some of them are back on board this season. And, uh, you know, that makes for a great spectacle. That's our big point of difference when we have full stadiums, uh, fans jumping up and down, making a lot of noise. Uh, you know, it's, it's something that's, uh, that really captivates not only the, the, the people watching on TV, but I think it lifts the players as well. Um, in terms of the actual football, uh, you know, it's it's very competitive as it normally is. Uh, Melbourne City have won two out of two. Uh, victory, you know, won uh, that big blue against Sydney and then slipped up against the Wanderers. The Wanderers look as though they're having a bit of a resurgence. Um, so it's, it's fascinating at the top and uh, equally 
I know your boys are <laughs> down the bottom at the moment, but uh, I, I think there's a bit more to come from Glory. I hope so, anyway. Well, that is my next question. So we know the deal with Glory. I thought it home, might be. <laughs> home ground dramas, a young team, plenty yeah. of change. Uh, how have you read their form? They've been in the moment uh, in the matches uh, too late uh, for a chance at the points, but there's been some lapses that have sort of cost both matches so far this season. Yeah, look, it's it's a work in progress for Perth, and this season was always likely to be that. I mean, they had a horrible year last year. Let's not pull any punches about it. Uh, very much affected by COVID as well. And, of course, this year they were hoping, you know, to have a full season playing home games at HBF Park. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. I don't know what it is about stadiums in this country. Well, what, does it, what does it take us all about eight years to build a stadium in this country? Uh, everywhere else, they seem to knock them off in 10 minutes. Um, anyway, maybe they have too many tea breaks. I don't know. But uh, that, that's you know that's going to be difficult for them. They're going to play out of Macedonia Park, a lot of their home games, before HBF Park is ready. But they've got to try and use that as a positive. And the fact that it's going to be a smaller stadium, that they can pack fans in, you know, really try and make it a fortress. Now, the first two weeks, I've not exactly you know seen them fly out of the blocks, but I, I think few people expected that. A lot of changes to the squad, as you mentioned. I thought there were promising signs against the Jets at the weekend. They did manage to get on the score sheet, thanks to Aaron McInef. As you say, they've been competitive in both games. Um, I, I don't think they're going to win the championship this year. Sorry to disappoint you, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, at some point, I think they'll get some uh, results on the board. It's a matter of gelling all those new players, and unfortunately, that that takes a bit of time. This early point in the season, it's hard to get a read on other teams that they might be taking on, but they uh, go over and take on the Central Coast Mariners uh, this weekend, uh, which is live on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, they've only played the one game so far. Uh, how do you see the match playing out? Yeah, look, I mean, we've only had one look at the Mariners. Um, as if COVID wasn't bad enough, we had the, the bad weather in New South Wales and the F3 derby against the Jets for the Mariners got rained off the week before. Uh, I thought they were decent against Wellington Phoenix. Uh, you know, a little bit leaky at the back, but of course they've got firepower. Jason Cummings, who had a, a wonderful goal disallowed by VAR, which was a pity against Wellington Phoenix. And in the end, they were very close to getting all three points. I, I like the way that Nick Montgomery is has built his squad over the last two years. He's got a very good crop of young players. Obviously, the the pick of them being Garan Kual, who uh, I don't think will feature this weekend because he's away on international duty with the Australian under-20 side. Uh, But Cummings is is a gun player. Uh, They've got some very interesting imports, Brian Kaltak, Kalechi John, who I must confess I, I don't know an awful lot about because I haven't seen them. Um, but Montgomery's record of recruitment is is really good. And I think if he gets that blend right again this season, I, I think they'll be top four, quite frankly. I, I, I really like the look of his squad. Uh, but they've got to put it you know, into practice on the pitch. And uh, that starts against Perth at the weekend. Um, it'll it'll be tough for Glory. Uh, there, there's no doubt about that. But uh, especially with these you know, first four or five games all being on the road, um, but they've got to try and use that as a positive. So hopefully, you know, Glory can get something out of it. I, I do think it'll be tough, though, particularly away from home. And what's going on at uh, Brisbane Raw at the moment around their academy with Football Australia releasing a statement today that they have some concerns about what's going on there? Look, I think we all do, to be honest, at, at what's going on at, at Brisbane. Unfortunately, uh, there, there seem to be a fair few off-field Issues that are, that have uh, you know blighted the starts of the season uh, on field. Obviously, it's, it's not going brilliantly for them either. They're yet to score in two games. Uh, Charlie Austin, their big marquee signing during the off season, uh, cut a very frustrated figure in their two 0 loss to Melbourne City. 
Um, it's it's interesting to know whether they've actually uh, whether they are actually in breach of the licensing criteria by getting rid of all these uh, junior sides that you know most of the early clubs have now. I think that's why Football Australia put out that statement today. Uh, so they'll be investigating, you know, whether they, there has been any breach. And if there has, well, you know, they've either got to reintroduce uh, those junior sides or they'll face sanctions and possibly even as an extreme measure, the withdrawal of the license from the current owners who are the backeries, of course. And, you know, if that were to happen, I, I think a lot of Brisbane fans would shed few tears, quite honestly. They, they feel as though their club is has been on a downward slide for quite a few years now. But um, anyway, we'll see what transpires with that. But it's it's not an encouraging development, put it that way. Now, all the important stuff comes from me when it comes to the world game. And uh, FIFA unveiled the mascot for the upcoming 2023 Women's World <laughs> Cup. They overlook one thing, mate. That penguin's not found in Australia. <laughs> yeah. It's weird, though, isn't it? <laughs> is it found in New Zealand? Yeah, it is. It's a well, little lovely penguin so from New Zealand. <laughs> they're co-hosting. So they're, they've obviously got the hard <sighs> word in on FIFA and said, we're, we're going to have a mascot that represents ours. Forget those Aussies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. A lot of the stories around it, though, it's uh, it's a little bit uh, laughable. It's, uh, it's funny. And, look, uh, I know that um, there's one lady that has been absolutely magnificent when it comes to the world game, and her name is Sam Kerr, and uh, she's been talked about in volumes and uh, being on, on the top of her game. I mean, she's a Perth girl, and she's one that uh, we absolutely adore. But uh, the way that she has been able to grow in the game, and we haven't spoken to you for a little while, mate, and she's achieved a lot of things since we last spoke. It's been incredible. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Sam just goes from strength to strength. Uh, the only thing really missing from her CV now is uh, success at international level. And obviously, we hope that changes next year with uh, the hosting of the Women's World Cup. Uh, at club level, she's done everything, um, except winning the Champions League, to be fair. And she's, she's played in the final at that, but she's won the uh, FA Women's Super League. She's won cup competitions. She's won Golden Boots. Player of the Year awards, and now third place in uh, the Ballon d'Or, which are the prestigious, you know, World Player of the Year end of year event uh, um, awards, I should say. So, you know, if it was any other sport, if she was a top three tennis player in the world, can you imagine her profile in Australia? Yeah. Um, unfortunately, because it's football and because she plays overseas, she, you know, she tends to suffer a little bit in that regard. But she's certainly well known. Uh, you should be very proud of her in WA. And at the moment, I mean, she's, she's the most famous Australian footballer in the world, uh, men or women, but by quite some distance. Simon, appreciate having you on the show, mate. Uh, take care and uh, hopefully we'll have a chat to you again down the track. See you, mate. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. Good on you. Simon Hill there, the voice of Australian football. Great to have a yak to him tonight here on Sports Day. Thanks to Repco, your authorised service. You can rely on your local Repco authorised service centre. We need to clear a commitment on the other side. We'll tell you what's coming up after the 7 o'clock news next here on Sports Day. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage. Drive car of the year. Fantastic to have your company here on Sports Day. Thanks to Kia, Australia's most wanted, the Kia EV6 and Kia Sportage Cars of the Year. After the 7 o'clock news, Ryan Campbell is going to join us. Uh, the Netherlands coach, uh, they are sitting on the precipice as to whether they'll make the World Cup or not. Uh, big games coming up for them tomorrow. Michael Pryor, the West Coast Eagles AFLW coach, will join us. Lily Mills from our Perth Scorchers. Ben Mallis to update the news around the Perth Wildcats, particularly on the back now of Jesse Wagstaff getting off. And Mark Allen, who always does a great job in bringing us the latest in the golfing world. We'll see you after the news. It's coming out next.
Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage, drive car of the year. Nice to have you company here on Sports Day and as we forecast prior to the 7 o'clock news, thanks to Mate, make the switch to Mate, internet and mobile. A great mate of ours is Ryan Campbell and he is the Netherlands coach. They're two from two, but a very intriguing little scenario ahead in their pool matches. Uh, Cambo, welcome to Sports Day. How are you, mate? Hey, thanks, Carl. Always a pleasure to catch up, mate. Uh, going well, just actually... Doing a bit of walking at the moment, trying to do be that fit and healthy person. Walking past Cardinia Park, having a look. Uh, yeah, it's going to be an exciting day tomorrow for everyone. Yeah. Now, of course, mate, you've really got to win this game, don't you? Because uh, the way that the uh, teams then go through, if uh, you don't win this match, if everyone's on a couple of wins, is that goes back to net run rate, and that's an area that you're not looking good in at the moment. No, well, I've got to admit, when you know you do your planning and stuff to come to a World Cup and you look at the, the match-ups and you've got three games, I didn't expect we had to win all three to, uh, to go through, which is uh, pretty hard. But, um, look, the facts are the Namibian results on day one when they absolutely hammered uh, Sri Lanka has put a lot of pressure on us. And, again, as a cricket fan and an associate cricket fan, I love the fact that Namibia beat them and I love the fact that Scotland beat the West Indies. But again, it does put the Netherlands under extreme pressure and yeah, tomorrow it's, uh, it's all on the line, that's for sure. I wanted to bring up a couple of the names that you mentioned last time we had a chat with you, Cambo. But uh, first, are the boys performing to your expectations? What was your sort of pass mark heading into this tournament? Uh, look, we, we always want to qualify for the round of 12. I, I think that's always a, a realistic goal. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, and it means we have to play really, really well. Um, and I think, look, at the end of the day, we're, and again, I'm not trying to be uh, mean to the ground staff, but we're playing on a pretty difficult surface. And yes, could we have batted better and got over the line easier? Of course. But our blokes are going in and finding it very tough to score and that's making it scrappy affairs. And what I'm really proud of is that we're finding ways to get over the line. I think it's so impressive that both the wins have come in that last over as well. So, yeah, like you say, despite uh, the conditions and despite the pitch, which is saying is difficult, the boys are just finding a way. Do you reckon that's a bit of the coach uh, getting into them? <laughs> I'd love to say that. But, mate, at the end of the day, what, what's super proud for me is that, you know, Buster Later is 22 years of age and has been there both times. And... Tim Pringle is 20 years of age and he's been there at the end. It's, you know, guys who have absorbed the pressure are all our youngsters. You know, you saw Vikram Singh yesterday, who's 19, uh, take on the Namibians in the power play, which was awesome to watch. So, look, I've always said you've got to leave the place in a better position as when you started. And I think the future of Dutch cricket is pretty bright. And as long as we can keep pushing our youngsters to play, to play fearless cricket, and hopefully they continue on their way. You sound like the proud father talking about his sons. I can feel the love here tonight, Cambo, and that's the way that it should be. Now, look, all the highlights last night, mate, uh, in the Sri Lankan UAE match came out of the UAE. Uh, the uh, hat-trick, the first of this tournament, and only the fifth in World Cup history, was taken by a player out of the UAE. And one of the biggest hits I've ever seen, mate, in the history of cricket, where it was actually whacked out of the stadium, it was bloody incredible by... Junaid Sadiq, he's actually smacked it over the top of the main stand there at uh, at Cadinia Park. Uh, they're probably still looking for that egg. 109 metres, they reckon. 
yeah, it was a big hit, and uh, I tell you one thing, he was pretty happy with himself, wasn't he? Oh, he yeah, uh, yeah. I, I wish he had a bold better, and then not to let Sri Lanka score so many. But uh, to be honest, the, the little leggy is a really, really exciting prospect for the UAE, and to get uh, to do what he did, you know, again, Carl, us little folk, when we get put on the world stage, and if uh, players can stand up and, and show some skills. Mate, there's so many franchise leagues around the world who generally just look at the big countries and the same old players. Mate, there are hidden gems everywhere. And if people do their research, they should be in the franchise competitions. And that's my hope, is that, you know, some of our players, a buster later or whoever it is, they get seen, they get spotted, and then the, the world's at their feet. So having said what you've just said, do you feel that rather than be associate countries, that you should just be in the main dance straight away? Of course. Mate, this, this whole thing should be, we've been through a qualifier. We, we did that in Zimbabwe and we qualified for the World Cup. And now we come here and, you know, some people say it's the first week of the World Cup, but let's be honest, it is another qualifier with only two teams going through from each group. So, look, I think the World Cup, and again, you guys are probably sick of me saying it, but... The World Cups are supposed to be a showcase of our sport, not a showcase of our elitism. And that, unfortunately, happens way too much. The 50-over World Cup has been reduced to 10 teams. I know that they're trying to increase the numbers, you know, down the road, but, man, it's just stupid. <laughs> it's just, I just don't understand it because someone could say, oh, yeah, but, you know, India might thrash Namibia. Well, who cares? It's an opportunity for Namibia. It's an opportunity for India to play some of their lesser likes. It's it's still a good game. So let's show everyone off. Let's get as many teams as we can and let's enjoy our World Cups. And if those teams aren't exposed to playing the bigger nations, how are they supposed to then build to be uh, one of the premier nations in cricket? Well, 100%. We, you know, we don't. Namibia have beaten and made it to the final 12 last year. They've beaten Sri Lanka. They've beaten Zimbabwe. They don't play one full member in the next three years of their FTP, which that just shows, well, you know, how can you get forward? And let's not forget, and again, I'm trying not to be too political, but world cricket is about to get a shake-up because there's so many franchise leagues coming and they're paying so much money. International cricket is in trouble. And the lesser countries are the ones you've got to look to because they may have to carry this sport down the line when... You know, players are signed to, let's say, the KKR, who own UAE League, they own India, they own a South African team, they own a, a Caribbean Premier League team, probably an American team. They offer you $5 bucks to play all year. I'm not sure some of the youngsters are going to say no to that, and therefore you lose all your players. All right. Uh, how about some of those players that you did mention last time we had a chat, Cambo? Vikram Singh and Baz Dalid, both playing very nicely at the moment. Uh, how are they shaping up for the next match? Mate, they're ready to go. Um, it's good when I give you a couple of names and they actually do well because usually <laughs> I give you both some uh, bad stuff and uh, I look like an idiot. But those two have been going real. But again, don't forget, we haven't seen the best of Tom Cooper and we haven't seen the best of Colin Ackerman yet. And they're our two gun batsmen. So if they can get in and get into, into form, I've no doubt we can, we can post a score. And as you've seen, our bowling attack's pretty solid. So... I think we can challenge Sri Lanka tomorrow. If, if Sri Lanka are a little bit off, I think we can win. 
Thank you very much for your time tonight. We appreciate your time here on Sports Day. All the best for the rest of the tournament and have a great night, mate. I know that uh, you're catching up with uh, a lot of friends tonight from all over the world to celebrate six months of still being alive. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm going to have a couple. I'm even going to Little Creatures just to celebrate that Perth feel, Carl. It's, I'm very I'm very humbled in all honesty, mate, that I've got so many wonderful friends who have flown in uh, to Geelong to to catch up and yeah it's a bit of a, a bit of a milestone so yeah we'll have a couple and we'll have a smile on our face yeah wish i was there cambo to be perfectly honest rather than just sitting here talking about it uh, have a great night mate thanks buddy good on you ryan campbell uh netherlands coach joining us here on sports day thanks to mate 5g mobile plans in every territory and state why wait make the switch to mate heater uh just off the back of that discussion mm-hmm. he makes a really good point and i think he's probably made it before but i think uh from what we have talked about a little bit on this program is that it would be nice to see all the teams that are engaged playing in this world cup absolutely i think the fans are calling for it we literally had a call last night so i want to see them all in there from the start with the opportunity to move through it has been, you know, pretty exciting, some of these games to start with. None of them have been massive blow. There's only been a couple of blowouts. They've all been quite close. We saw the Netherlands only get through in the last over of both games. So how else are they supposed to grow and become better cricketing nations without the exposure to the deeper parts of the tournament? I know that you're very good on our uh, at Sports Day WA tweeter because <laughs> you're the heater that's the tweeter, right? So what we'll do is that we'll put a little we'll put a little thing on there, yes or no, what do you reckon about the minnows just rolling straight into the main dance and we can just get this show on the road. As we clear a break and on the other side, we'll come back and have a chat to Michael Pryor, who is the West Coast Eagles AFLW coach next here on Sports Day. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage. Drive car of the year. Welcome back to Sports Day. Nice to have your company. And Michael Pryor joins us, the coach of the West Coast Eagles AFLW team. Uh, Mickey, welcome, mate. How are you going? Going well, Carl. How are you? Thanks yeah. for having me on. Yeah, going terrific. Uh, firstly, Michaela Weston uh, hurt herself badly last week. Didn't look great, mate, at all. How is she? Oh, really good spirits. Um, she, yeah, obviously um, broke her arm and, um, you know, doing what she does really well for us, which is running someone down from behind and locking the ball in our front half and putting that pressure on. So she'll be missed. But, um, yeah, really good spirits. She's been outstanding since the injury, obviously. But, um, yep, yeah, surgery today to put a plate in there and um, she'll be back on board in, in couple of weeks. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, she breaks the humerus. It's not funny, is it? When you break, break the humerus, it's like the funny bone. It's not really funny when you whack it. Not at the start, but after you've been on the green whistle, she seems to be enjoying it. Had that a couple of times before. Uh, we're going to have a debutante this week, uh, Mick. We've got Ashley Gomes coming into the side. Yes, we announced that today. It's really exciting for Gamesy and, um, you know, credit to her because she was the last player pretty much added to our list and it was pretty much the week leading up to round one. So she came in really late um, and she's had to work and work um, to get her opportunity and she's done that. So we look forward to seeing what she brings come Saturday. And also the captain of uh, East Fremantle as well. So maybe a little bit of uh, leadership uh, to come along and uh, help out the young side as well. Yeah, absolutely. You can tell that she's had that leadership role at East Fremantle since she's been in the club. And, um, you know, she's been, she's on a tough, you know, training on Saturday mornings when there's only five to eight girls and really leading that group. And, um, her leadership stood out in that regard. So, um, yeah, deserves a chance. Been looking forward to it. Did you, um, or were you, say, satisfied with what happened in the game on the weekend? Because it could have been a hell of a lot worse than what had ended up on the scoreboard. 
Yeah, could have. I think nine points at the end of the game. It, it's it's good that our, you know we get that close. But gee, there was a lot that went wrong for us. Um, as you said, they kept us in the game early by missing quite a few um, shots on goal. We we really battled to get the ball inside our forward fifty, and that that's a number of reasons. But um, you know, I thought our forwards were caught behind a lot on the weekend, or didn't work hard enough to break the space to give us something to kick to, and then. Those kicks coming to the advantage of the forwards are really important. So we think it's um, a couple of quick fixes if we're mentally in tune with what we need to do, and um, hopefully we see some results this week from that. Sophie McDonald's one of those players that you spoke about maybe being in All-Australian contention, uh, one of those uh, sort of unsung heroes in a way. Uh, how does she go when she's uh, given the big job every week of probably the most dangerous forward for the op- opposing team? Well, I think results tells us she goes really well. Um, I think out of eight games so far, I think she's been beaten once, um, which is a real credit to her. And I think she's only had three or four goals kicked on her for the year. And, uh, you know, Chloe Shear that she played on the weekend kicked one, but it wasn't so, she wasn't on so. Courtney Rowley just fumbled it in the goal screen and she picked it up. So not so's fault, but um, she's been fantastic. She had a little bit of an interrupted pre-season and to do what she's done, um, and the way she's go about it with the research and wanting to play on those big forwards has been a credit to her. And, yeah, I have mentioned her in terms of um, All-Australian selection. Um, and I don't think we just look at actual numbers and stats of what defenders are getting, but more roles and what they've done. And uh, I think she she should get over the line based on what she's achieved this year. You host the Western Bulldogs this Saturday at home. They've only been able to get the one win over here in WA, but if they do get one win, uh, or one more win, they're into the finals this season. Is there a bit of uh, added inspiration to uh, try and you know shape the eight a little bit outside of it? Yeah, I think um, oh, it would be nice to win, and if that means we're shaping the eight, that's fantastic. Um, I think more importantly for us, it's... Um, Finishing off the year really well, and I've spoken to, to you know, about this to the girls, that our last three games last year, we really fell away really heavily um, and got some heavy defeats. And one of the teams we played were the Bulldogs, and they beat us by 60 points over here. So um, that's a bit of a motivation for us to so- show that we are on the right path and we are improving. And, um, you know, I said to the girls, you know, I really believe this is a winnable game for us. And um, I, I truly believe that they play a similar style to what we come up against on the weekend in Geelong with that uncontested short kicking game. So, um, you know, if we come switched on to defend, we'll cause some turnovers and keep it in our front half and hopefully score off the back of that. Last home game of the season, Mineral Resources Park. Gates open at one ten. match underway at 2.10. There's a, a lot of other fun that can be had in and around with the match day activations. But more importantly, on the field, what can we expect to see? Well, I think you can see a side that's up and coming and, and full of improvement. And I just, you know, roll off some names and McKay, Thomas, Ella Roberts, Courtney Rowley and so forth that we just talked about. I think the growth that we've seen in our group this year has been really exciting and uh, I think a lot of people can see where we're going and where we're heading on our path and um, you know I believe there was a couple of games we could have got over the line and all of a sudden it gives everyone a little bit more confidence but yeah I think you can see a team that's really going to have a crack on the weekend and, and bring it up to the Bulldogs and see where it takes us. Thanks for your time tonight. No worries, Joe. Thank you. Good on you. Michael Pryor there, coach of the West Coast Eagles. Entry is free to Saturday's match for all AFLW members uh, with your match tickets available in the official West Coast Eagles app. If you're looking to purchase tickets, head to Ticketmaster today and use the code W7MATES to unlock two-for-one adult tickets with free entry for juniors under 18. And please note that all patrons, including juniors, need to book a ticket for the match. So there you go. It's as easy to do as that. There's public transport, which you 
you can utilise to get down there as well. The closest train station is Victoria Park with a 700 metre walk to the venue and heater. A good uh, way if uh, you haven't gone and seen an AFLW game to get down there, particularly for West Coast Eagles supporter and get behind the girls in their last game at home for the season. Look, if you're an AFLW supporter in WA, best not to look at the ladder. Both teams are playing better than the win uh, column that you can see there. The Eagles have improved massively this year and it's your last chance to see them at home. So why not get on down there? Good on you, Heather. Thanks to Kia, Australia's most wanted, the Kia EV6 and Kia Sportage. Cars of the year, short time ago, it was all out for Zimbabwe. Rolled for 122. The West Indies victorious after posting 7 for 153. And earlier tonight, Scotland made 5 for 176. Chased down by Ireland, who were in early trouble at 4 for 61. In the end, 4 for 180. And Curtis Camphor was the star. 72 of 32 saw him get the job done. Afghanistan 6 for 154 Pakistan 0 or actually no we give a 19 when it was rained out and New Zealand and India's match was abandoned only a practice match of course but uh, that was abandoned due to rain without a ball being bowled and in the Sheffield Shield Stumps Day 3 WA 466 in their first innings Victoria in reply 4 for 446 trial by 20 runs with 6 wickets in hand we need to clear a break on the other side we'll come back and Lily Mills will join us from our Perth Scorchers next. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage Drive Car of the Year. Nice to have your company here on Sports Day and fantastic to have Lily Mills who joins us from our Perth Scorchers. Action tomorrow against the Melbourne Stars here at the Wacker Ground. Ten past five, so an evening game. You can get down and get behind our girls. Lily, welcome to Sports Day. How are you going? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me on here, guys. Uh, what does a night uh, before the game preparation look like for Lily Mills? Oh, normally a bit of um, carving up, so a bit of pasta and um, just a, a good movie or if there's any sport on, something like that. Just pretty pretty chilled, um, nothing too major. Do you have any, like, good luck things that you sort of go through? We've spoken to football players before that have to eat, you know, mint choc ice cream before they uh, the night before the game. Have you got anything like that that uh, gets you ready for the game? Um, I, I normally straighten my hair. Um, I've got very curly hair. And um, I think the WBBL are yet to to see me without straight hair. So <laughs> something to look if forward that's to. That's one. Then that's one. Yep. Awesome. And uh, at the start of the season, uh, defending the title for the Scorchers, you had a great start with two wickets in the first match, and the team itself is uh, just rolling along very nicely at the moment. Yeah, we're just looking at um, go game by game, as cliche as it sounds, and um, yeah, excited to be back here at the Wacker um, in front of a home crowd. But um, yeah, obviously nice to start the the campaign off with a couple of wins. Now, of course, you only headed west. You got smart uh, at the start of the 2021-22 season, and uh, you're now representing Western Australia as well when it comes to the WNCL. How have you enjoyed your time since heading west? Yeah, I've loved it. Um, I'm originally from the Sunshine Coast um, in Queensland, so uh, it suits my lifestyle outside of cricket, uh, with the beach and, and how warm it gets here. So, um, no, I've really enjoyed the experience and um, the WACA staff have, have been very welcoming and and. Yeah, so it's been pretty seamless. Nice little 30-degree day today, just to remind you a little bit more of home. Now, uh, who was the catalyst for getting you here in the first place? Um, from a WBBL perspective, I um, have played actually a fair bit of cricket with Beth Mooney, which is, is quite nice. So, um, yeah, obviously having her as a part of the uh, Scorchers and, and now part of WA cricket, I think, um, has been 
have been very helpful in, in getting my na- my name across to the um, people who do list, list management and and then obviously um, for WA after representing the Scorchers last year. Now, you are uh, one of those that uh, likes to get it done with bat and ball. Uh, what do you think you're better at? Oh, definitely with the ball. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we need to fool anyone thinking I'm quite a batter just yet, but who knows, I think... Um, sort of middle to lower order players are expected to win the game sometimes. So um, hopefully if I get in that position, that I can do the job for the Scorchers. So you feel in your own mind that you're better with the ball. How much work then are you now doing on your batting? Is that uh, a part of your game that you've been working pretty hard on to make yourself better? Yeah, of course. I think um, everyone likes to sort of try and bring some sort of point of difference and and at the end of the day, you want players that perform both skills and, and even all three with fielding being involved in that as well um, to the best of their ability. So I guess the work sort of never stops, whether you're good at one or good at both or whatnot. So, um, yeah, I work pretty hard at my batting, but it's, as I say, a work in progress and, and we'll get there. I'm interested in the different approaches as an off spinner, uh, opening the bowling or coming on when the field is a bit more set for you out on the ropes. Uh, is there, you know, some deliveries that you, you sort of hold back until you have that protection on the boundary or is it just let's get some wickets and get a rolling from there? Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. On um, the Blacktown wicket we, we sort of spoke about, um, staying pretty low, so bowling at the stumps. But um, I think in the power play, obviously having only a couple of fielders out, you sort of protect, trying to protect one side of the wicket and, and maybe bowl a little bit flatter and into the wicket um, compared to when you have those four out, you can you can sort of give it a bit more air and a bit more rip. Uh, day or night, do you like playing twilight? What do you like? Um, I'm a bit of, tra- of a traditionalist. I like playing during the day. Yeah, me too. I reckon it. I reckon like um, you know, like if we were meant to see at night, like we'd be like those nocturnal <laughs> animals, right? Instead of playing under those fake lights. I'm with you, young lady. I agree. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an awesome experience to play under the lights and, and to be the first game under the lights at the Wacker is, uh, is really cool um, with the new lights being put in. But, yeah, no, I, I definitely prefer during the day. Lily, nice to chat. Uh, we're out of time. Thank you very much for sharing a few minutes with us tonight and good luck tomorrow. No worries. Thanks, guys. Ten past five, down to the Wacker. Get behind our girls as they take on the Melbourne Stars. We need to clear a break. On the other side, we'll come back. Betty Mellis is going to join us next to bring us right up to date with what's happened in the basketball world. Sports Day for Kia. The Kia Sportage. Drive car of the year. Nice heavy company here on Sports Day. Get behind our Perth Wildcats this season. Head to ticketech.com.au right now. And even a better way, because their skipper, their spiritual leader... He got off. Benny Malice uh, joins us, NBA journalist uh, at Pick and Roll, part of Backchat Basketball Show. Benny, can you believe that the big fella got off or has he got what he should have uh, not been put up for in the first place? It's good he got off. I'll admit I was sceptical about two hours ago. I thought the one-man tribunal, that's a, a bit of a comment in itself that <laughs> one man decided this. But yeah, I thought that the one-person tribunal would have upheld the suspension. But I think everyone, well, not everyone clearly, but most people are in agreement that it was a clean screen and a basketball play. And while the concussion is obviously very unfortunate, I think most people deserve to see Jesse Wegstaff out there on the weekend, and I do agree that it is good that he got off, and the Wildcats will have their big man this weekend when they travel. 
That was your first reaction, Ben, that it was a clean screen. Um, yeah, unfortunate for the concussion, of course, but yeah, a clean screen, your first reaction? Yeah, exactly. Like, I tend to take the view and the opinions of those who played the sport, and I was speaking to Greg Hyer this afternoon, and there are, he's one of many voices over the past week that used to play basketball, and professionally that is, and to a man and a woman, they've all pretty much said the same thing, and that while it's unfortunate that the young player for Melbourne got concussed, that play by Jesse Wagstaff outraged at the screen and didn't think Wagstaff did anything dirty. If that play was to get given a suspension, I definitely agree that it would have caused confusion, and we would have had a whole season where players wouldn't know what constitutes a good screen and whether they should be doing it or not. Benny, it's always good to have independent eyes and a bloke looking in from the outside. And our Wildcats were three from three until Melbourne United rolled them here at home. Corey Webster to Sean Thomas have been out injured through personal reasons and, of course, injury. How have you seen the Wildcats form this season? I think the season's probably a seven out of ten start for them. There are definitely some good aspects. We hear John really speak all the time over the past month, sorry, and he's been harping on about defence. and even though they lost on the weekend, the defence did play pretty well for most of the game, and that's been a consistent theme so far, that throughout all four games, the defence has shown up and it has been improved on last season, and you can see a defensive identity starting to take shape. So defensively, pass marks for me, and that's been very impressive. Offensively, things have been a bit more consistent, and I think comparing that Melbourne United game to the Cairns game five days beforehand is the best way to look through that. The, against Cairns a week beforehand, the Wildcats made everything from three and looked like a juggernaut. And against Melbourne over the weekend, they had large stretches where they weren't able to score and Bryce Cotton was shut down and the offence was struggling to keep up. So the fact that they're sitting at three and one is indicative of where they're at, good but not great. And I think importantly, we've got to remember it's a new coach. There's a lot of new players, whether that be imports or players coming back from injury. So on the whole, the Wildcats have really started well. I think the next month is going to tell us where they're at because they've got to start hitting the road and playing some of the better teams, and that will allow us to properly assess where they are. But so far, after four weeks, I think all involved deserve the benefit of the doubt, and it has been a good enough start for the season. Appreciate your time, mate. Uh, we'd love to chat for you for a little bit longer, but uh, commercial radio doesn't allow us to do that. Uh, it's a pleasure having you on, Benny, and we'll have a chat to you again soon, mate. Take care. Thanks, lads. Have a good night. Good on you, Ben Mellis there. And uh, already uh, some talk around uh, the Lakers after this stinky start to their campaign when it comes to the NBA. Tanking already, some are saying, Peter. <laughs> That's a bit unkind, I think, Carl. There's a, there's a heap of teams that are actually in the running for that number one pick. If the Lakers end up down there, I will be surprised. But no, no tanking from the Lakers. All right. Uh, we need to clear a break. On the other side, we'll come back. Speaking of a man that never tanks, that's Mark Allen. He'll join us next. <laughs> Sports Day for Kia, the Kia Sportage, Drive Car of the Year. Nice to have your company here on Sports Day and time for Green to Green. Thanks to Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. Former golf pro, part of 3AW's Twilight Zone and Radio Ratings Gold, Marco Allen joins us. So welcome, mate. How are you going? Mate, I'm very well. Um, I did some commentary on the West Australian PGA last week, uh, golf course in Kalgoorlie. Many said, uh, we've got Graham Marsh. Oh, I'm not sure many people this side of Australia understand just how big Graham Marsh was, but it was great to get him on. A, a wonderful Western Australian, you guys know that. Um, and honestly, if I could have one one-tenth of the career that man had, 
I would have been a very happy golfer. Anyway, now, uh, West now, Australian Open this week. West Australian Open this week as well. Well, well hang on. Let's go, back, let's go back to Kalgoorlie. I mean, just correct me if I'm wrong here, but he designed the course out there, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he, he does, I mean, he's designed a lot of good golf courses. I mean, mm. the Vines as well. Um, he's made a little touch-up here and there to, to many courses around the country. Uh, there's a golf course called Growling Frog here in Australia. It's a public course, but it's very, very good. Uh, I really like his design. I think he's, I think he's quite clever. Yeah, nothing um, better than a grounding and, uh, frog. Does a, yeah. does a great job. It yeah, does a great job. Does uh, a great job. Now, <laughs> now, right. now, we had a chat to uh, the winner last night uh, here on our program, uh, and it was uh, fantastic from out there at uh, at Kalgoorlie. Now, uh, the young fellow was so excited. The pink shirt, I had a crack at him. A young yeah. Macaluzzi, <laughs> and uh, I thought yeah, that yeah, mate, yeah, that's yeah. an omen. And he wasn't. He, he was actually. He actually was a little bit surprised that he wore it in the last round of a previous tournament that he didn't win but now it's a bit of an omen thing and everyone's giving him feedback that he looks all right well do you know what um he bogeyed like the 11th and the 12th hole and i said on i said on on air i said that's it from michelosi wipe his name off but he ended up playing the last six holes on the par and everybody else and when i say everybody i'm talking about everybody felt in particular i think they played the last six holes four over so it was just a ridiculous situation where the, where the guys in front fell over, and Michaluzzi, who just you know had a brain fade on the par five eleventh, um, three putted from nowhere, chipped and three putted for a bogey. I mean it was a disaster, and then bogeyed another. That was it. And then out of the blue, he's the one who came back. I mean it was it was a remarkable tournament, but a good one. And, and gee, Cal Gooley looked fantastic on the telly. Marco, Fred Couples, uh, he's uh, getting on in the years, but uh, his golf game is uh, still quite sharp, isn't it? Well, it was the story of the weekend of golf, as far as I'm concerned. Fred Couples, 63 years old. I'll say that again, 63, Fred Couples. He starts the last round, a handful of shots behind the leader in the Champions Tour event on the weekend. He gets to the fifth hole with birdies five, birdies six, birdies seven, birdies eight, birdies nine. So he's you know, played the front nine in five under par, and that's not bad. He pars 10, pars 11. So he's still five under through 11 holes. It's not bad. But then how's the finish? Birdies 12, birdies 13, birdies 14, birdies 15, birdies 16, birdies 17, and just for good measure, birdies 18. Shoots 60 in the last round of a tournament and beats his age by three shots. And wins the tournament by a handful of shots. It's, it's one of the most remarkable things I've seen because his putting's always been a little bit dodgy, particularly since he, he got past 60. But he hit the ball. I've seen some highlights. He hit the ball like the Fred Couples of old. He still swings it like the Fred Couples of old. It's the most watchable golf swing I've ever seen. I mean, if, if I had to choose one player to watch hit a golf ball for the rest of my life, I, I think Fred Couples would probably be that guy. You know, the Fred Couples of the 1990s. But still, I mean, to beat your age by three shots is one thing. To beat your age by three shots to win a tournament is something spectacular. Um, and I think we all should pay homage to this man. It was a frightening performance. If he had gone under 60, is there a decent chance that he would have been the oldest man to hit a 59? Yes, I think that's I think that's absolutely spot on. And the course wasn't, you know, it was a 7,000-yard-plus golf course. So... Uh, a Lake Karanup, maybe just a little bit shorter than Lake Karanup. Um, so uh, a very, very strong golf course, and, and they are these days. You know, the the, the seniors, it's, it's always about 7,000 yards plus, uh, and when they get to the big tour, most courses these days, 73 or 7,400 yards. So 
50, about 50, 40 or 50 yards longer each, each hole. So that's the way they do it these days. But still, um, just, um, uh, yeah, my God, the booty to laugh seven to win a tournament is off the charts. Now, what about the chief executive of the breakaway tour, Liv? They're going to create their own Masters. F the Masters, they say, the bombshell that could kill golf as we know it. <laughs> hey? Now they are. They're, now they're, they're, they're actually have the lead of us all now. <laughs> they're they're going to create some majors. Look, good look, good luck to them because if you're going to have a tour, you've got to have your, your biggest tournaments. For instance, in Australia, uh, let's go back to 1989. Um, uh, Peter Senior won our four biggest tournaments. So it was like the Johnny Walker Classic, the Australian Open, the Australian PGA, the Australian Masters, one of them all. And they were our four majors of our circuit. So Live Golf, well, they got 14 tournaments at the moment or 12 tournaments at the moment. If they end up with 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 tournaments, they should have their four big ones. But um, they're not going to be anything like the US Open or the US Masters or the British Open. They're not, they're not going to be, they're just not going to be anything like it. But they will be the major tournaments on that circuit. And that's something that they should look to do and look to celebrate. Uh, the Aramco uh, team series, uh, Marco, there's a uh, potential for some more Saudi involvement in the game, in the women's game? Well, this, 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 I'm glad you brought it up because the Saudis have been in, involved in the women's game for a long, long time. This Aramco, or I'm not sure how you say it, but the team championship, um, you know, it, it's not a Saudi-led tour, but it's a Saudi tournament. Now, I don't understand how the girls, there's no one saying anything about it. You know, the same people that have ripped apart live golf are not ripping apart the girls playing in this event. Now, to me, that's hypocrisy. Is, I don't care whether it's just one tournament or a tour. I don't care. You know, it's, it's the money's coming from the same place. And the girls are not playing on the LPGA circuit to come across and take appearance fees, big ones, to come and play in this team event. And it's all Saudi money. So good luck to them. I think it's, you know, it's fine. Yeah, it shouldn't be a golfer's responsibility to you know, jump up and down about human rights. That's for the politicians to do. That's, that's just my view. That's just in my opinion. Politicians look after that stuff. Sports people have got to go out and play sport. And they're playing sport in this tournament this week and not one little bow peep from anybody, nobody, really. They're not saying anything, nothing like they were against Greg and everybody else. So I think it's just hypocrisy. All right, last one before we let you go. A little bit controversial, but uh, the worst Mm -hmm. Q school disqualification uh, that you've heard of. Uh, Tell me. This is disgusting what's happened here. And the rules of golf should be ashamed. And so this kid has shot 66 in the first round of the Q school. Believe me, that's exactly what you want to do. You want to get off to a cracking start. An hour after he signed his card, he got a phone call telling him he was disqualified. So what he's done, he's hit off on a hole and there's water all the way down the left. Now, his ball hasn't crossed land, but they weren't sure whether the ball was playable or not on the bank where it landed. So the kid in provisional gets up there, his ball's on the bank, tips out, makes a bogey or par or whatever he made, and goes on to shoot 66. Now, it's a little-known rule and, and a rule that people should know. And the rule is you're not allowed to hit a provisional ball, you're just not allowed to, if you think the ball has gone in a hazard. So nobody said anything at the time. The kid 
you know, what he would have had to have done in this situation, okay, let's say the ball's gone in and it was unplayable. He would have had to walk all the way up, 300 yards, have a look where his ball was, say, you know what, that's in the water and I can't play it. And then he would have had to walk all the way back to the tee. Now, that's a ridiculous rule in golf. So the, the rule says you're not allowed to hit a provisional if he's into a hazard. That rule's got to be relaxed in this situation moving forward because what has happened today is a disaster and the caddy who didn't pipe up and say something at the time, he's almost as bad. I think it's really, really bad. You, you work your life to, to get an opportunity to play in these big tours and, and this is just to get on the, the secondary tour in America but that's the stepping stone to get to the big one and when you shoot 66, you get a phone call an hour later to say you've been disqualified for something that's not particularly wrong. I, I think it's I think it's horrible what happened to that poor kid. Go on, you Marco. We've out, run out of time, mate. Thank you very much, and uh, we'll have a chat to you next week. See you guys. Mark Allen there. Thanks to Barrando Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Todd Johnson not far away from launching into the night shift. He'll take you right through until midnight here on 882 6PR. Let's just recap some of the news. Jesse Wagstar free to play after having his charge of unduly rough play dismissed by the single member tribunal. Ross Lyon expected to be appointed the coach of St Kilda before the end of the week and in the T20 World World Cup tonight, it was Ireland victorious over Scotland and the West Indies a short time ago victorious over Zimbabwe. The other games, practice matches, didn't end up being completed between Afghanistan, Pakistan, New Zealand and India. We'll keep you right up to date with all of the World Cup as it unfolds, but right now it's going to be time for the 8 o'clock news. As I said, Toddy Johnston to take you through until midnight. Enjoy that and we'll see you again 6 o'clock tomorrow. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.